Five Beats and Teases, the podcast that has one face because we're twins and we share it. It's meta, people. Hi, I'm Leslie Grace Jeter, uh, colonist for the <laughs> for the Baltimore Banner and a person who loves doing these intros because none of the guests or my podcast uh, co-host knows what I'm going to say. And if I hear the, <laughs> I know I've done something well. My co-host, by the way, is... I'm Lynn Street of Childress. I'm her twin sister. I make theater for young audiences. And um, I'm glad we finally found a movie to help us share our life. You know, I've People been seeing like, that. What? For so what does long? that mean? So to, if you had noticed today, we were talking about the 1998, cla- is it a classic? I think it is, a film, The Mirror Has Two Faces, which was brought to us by our guest, I will, I will say a little bit about her. She's uh, one of my best friends. What's her name, And yo? we've known each other for uh, 30-some years. What's her name, and 34 years. And her name is Robin Peace. Woo! Yay! By the way, um, she, always the perfect name because it's like Robin, birds, doves, last name Peace. I mean, you can't get <laughs> any more peaceful and lovely and serene and just like a person whose energy brings such like calm and, and joy to people so uh thank you Robin. and i wrote that exactly the way read that the way you wrote it so i'll take my 40 dollars after the, <laughs> the show yes oh my gosh i love it robin tell us a little bit about yourself well i am an analyst for the federal government but in the spare time i am a struggling science fi- sci-fi and fantasy author and literary poet I hope to have a novel and a book of poems published next year via self-publishing under the name R.R. Peace. But you can find me in Facebook under Robin Regina Peace and Instagram and Twitter under Lady Peace. Yes. I do have a website, but it's under construction at the moment. And when it comes online, all my social media sites will have announced a new web page. And you better what, promote. And what right I love now. is we <laughs> asked that question at the very end, where can people find you? And she put it up front. She's like, listen to me, monetize my appearance right now. Yes, we love that energy. <laughs> <laughs> we lo- do that. Anyway, so Robin, can you tell us what we're talking about today? We're talking about the idea of beauty in society and how it plays out in the movie The Mirror Has Two Faces. Ooh. So, Robin, where did you first – tell me about how, finding this movie. Did you see it when it first came out? I saw it when it first came out. Um, a, one of my friends and I went to see it, and I loved it. I was like, oh, this is so romantic. And after a while, I started thinking about it. The second time I saw, saw it, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Something's not kosher. <laughs> Something's not kosher in this, you know, to take a phrase out of the Jewish moniker. um, Rose is a middle-aged English teacher, and she doesn't think that she's pretty. I'm like, what? (laughs) And then there's this doctor... Greg, who's a mathematics teacher, who gets dizzy every time he sees a beautiful woman. 
It was so crazy. What I love is that you guys can't see this, but the the WTF face on Robin every time <laughs> she's saying this stuff. Because she's like, yeah, she doesn't think she's pretty. Whatever. And Greg, he gets dizzy, quote unquote. It's hilarious. I wish the face acting is uh, is amazing that's happening. So, I mean, and so he's, he decides that he's going to find an ugly woman to date. That's it. It's <laughs> he never uses the words ugly, but he says he wants someone who he's not attractive to because and he actually has a list. So he puts out an ad, right, that he's looking for uh this person to be a companion where sex and all that is off the table because they want a true meeting of the minds and souls, but he has a pile. He has the pictures. And he has a pile labeled too pretty. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand. He sits up there and says that he's not interested in looks, but he chooses Rose. So he mm-hmm. has to have uh, be attracted to her, even though he doesn't admit it to himself. Yes. Yes. And because he, and he's also the kind of guy that kind of pats himself on the back. So what happens is um, Rose's sister, who's played by Mimi Rogers, who's gorgeous, who was married, a man that Rose had been interested in. But who cares about that? Because, you know, he he obviously found, wound up where he was supposed to be. Also, has the face of Pierce Brosnan, because that's who plays him. Yes. And because the all the movie also, which Streisand directed, is really good at getting the visual cues out of the way. Just in case you don't understand that, Alex, who's Pierce Brosnan's character, is supposed to be the most attractive man in the world. She cast the man at the time who was considered the most attractive man in the world. Mm-hmm. And she cast Lauren Bacall, who was supposed to, the mother, who's supposed to be a great beauty, at Lauren Bacall, who was the beauty of her time. Mm-hmm. So she, Barbara wasn't like messing around for you to like, do subtext. There was no subtext. <laughs> it, was what a, it was what it was. So there's a moment where he puts this ad out and Rose doesn't see the ad. Her sister sees it. And her sister answers the ad for her. How humiliating is that? Yes. I, I've decided to enroll my, my sister in ugly school mm-hmm. because this man is looking for, I got an ugly girl for you. Look, look who I got for you, dog. It's a girl. And so he comes to see her in class. He comes to see her teach. And I think it was Roger Ebert who said that scene where she's giving this lecture is more like a stand-up uh, act than a, an actual <laughs> academic lecture. But he goes to see her, and he's, like, patting himself on the back because, oh, look how wonderful I have found her. Oh, I've discovered this woman, and she's so great. And so now I can say she's good enough for me. Still ugly, but good enough for me because she's so smart. And he keeps asking around. And also, tell me about the moment, Robin, where she realizes what he's after because this good-looking as man, is keep he keeps asking you out. So tell me about the, the scene where he basically – tells her about the ad oh yeah that that tripped me out he's like oh by the (laughs) way i found you in an ad this is when he's at proposes to her yes he's like oh i i don't i want to propose to you but by the way i want to be honest i found you your sister sent your picture in for ad (laughs) that I put out that didn't had sex was not an issue. And I saw that and I would, and the already had, they already had the discussion that he saw her class about not sex being a problem in right. literary <clears throat> stories. And he's like, and I chose you. And so she goes home to her mother, 
but he chose me, but he chose me. And somebody actually wants me. And isn't that just wonderful, mother? I'm like, no, that's not wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) But, But what was so funny about it, and I love that we're just jumping right into this. What is so interesting is that um, number one, Barbara Streisand is a is started on the stage, right? She's a stage acting, mm-hmm. so she does more in her face than most people can do with like verbal words. Yes, she does. Be, be, and she's amazing. But you mm-hmm. could see even in these conversations that they're having the whole time that they were dating before he proposes. So they, it'd been months, right? That they'd been yes, months that they'd been dating, and the whole time he's saying before he says that he took out an ad, but the whole time he's saying people put too much stuff in sex and Mm -hmm. I like you because it's meeting of the minds and whatever and blah 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 and so she knew the journey that they were on in terms of like people like do you even kiss like yes well we kind of handshake or we right we hug or like whatever and but the fact though is that you knew and she should have known Mm -hmm. that this was not for her because even though she's saying things She's hoping that he will change his mind. Yes. yes but at the same time, she's also settling. So he'll say things like, well, sex isn't important. And she goes, it's not. Um, mm-hmm. But he doesn't even hear her. No. Because he's so up his own butt about yes. his, and up in his own head mm-hmm. about, um, you know, about his brilliance of this idea that he basically just railroads her, mm-hmm. but she lets herself be railroaded. Yes. So because she decides that that's all she can do. So Robin, what do you think had been the disconnect between the first time you saw the movie and the second time you saw it? Was it age? Was it personal experience? Was it just going, wait a minute, I was half asleep when I saw this and now I realize that this is silly? Or what was it? I think it was personal experience because... At the time, I was <laughs> hoping that a good-looking guy would fall for me. So I was, like, putting myself in the story. Mm-hmm. So after I saw it again, wisdom <laughs> mm-hmm. had entered in. So I was like, okay, hmm, no, no. <laughs> so it w- it was a little bit of wisdom knowing that Beautiful men don't just fall for the so so uncold average girl without a good reasoning behind. I wanted something to happen like what happened to Alex and um, Rose and Anne had. He found her beautiful all of a sudden after she did all this stuff to herself. Right. So, uh, so... She in the movie, and I'll speak through that because I don't want to lose your comment, Robin. So, um, Rose and uh, Gregory, the who was played by Jeff Bridges, who we didn't say, who's a good looking freaking man, yes. um, get married and have this companion. They, they sleep in twin beds and they have yes. this very again, they really, really dig each other. They laugh and they have yes. a good time and they throw snowballs at each other. They're like yes. the best of friends. They're soulmates. But again, his premise is, is that sex makes everything uh, screwy. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, screwy, I said screwy, but makes everything, <laughs> puts everything out of whack and you can't really. Um, 
meet somebody's souls because he hadn't found that. So that's why he decided that that was the thing. And so she, um, at some point, so earlier in the movie when he's proposing, he goes, you know, if you want sex at some point, we can maybe make that happen. Yeah. Like if you feel like you need that, but whatever. So at some point she months in, she decides that she does need that. And they set this up that they're going to do it and they're both way into it. And he decides, you know what? No, this is going to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. So he goes away to Europe. What are you going to say, Robin? But he was having feelings for her before that Mm -hmm. because it was building up because he was starting to feel dizzy around her. And he was like, whoa, wait wait a minute. What's what's going on? Why do I feel this way about her around her now? Exactly. Once he got, because he would look at her longingly when you're about to kiss and just stop it because he had decided that his ideals were bigger than everything else. Mm-hmm. And so he goes on this European uh, tour for his math, boring math book or lectures or whatever. Nobody cared. And, um, and while he's gone, she leaves and she loses, supposedly, and you'll talk about this in a minute, Robert, <laughs> loses weight. She, she, she changes what she eats and she's training and whatever and blah, blah, blah. Aerial like, shots of her clearly um, sponsored by Reebok, you know, where she's like doing the, on the, the treadmill and she's in the pump classes and stuff. And it's very, um, what's so funny is that I said this, Robin Tillin, I've been saying this since this movie came out, that her metamorphosis comes from, um, it comes from Rose being Rose to becoming Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. Because at the end, like, their big reveal when he sees her is that she's um, Barbara Streisand. Yeah. It's so funny, it's. It's just like you would walk down the street and like see her at Bergdorf's and go, oh, it's Robert Streisand. That's that's who it was, you know. See, that's what I said. I'm gonna mention it now. She doesn't really lose weight. She just changes from frumpy clothes to sexy clothes. Yes. <laughs> but exactly, and that's what it does because she still obviously had a figure, but she was wearing wearing very like oversized things, and you know. You could calf tans or I don't know, whatever. You couldn't really see what her shape was. And then she puts on this dress and she's hot. But um, but I was leading up to that you were talking about. So she leaves her husband and goes out on a date with Alex, who was her brother-in-law, because her sisters left him. And they start making out. And so that's what I was sort of going back to when, Robin, you were saying that you kind of wish that you would be in a situation where some guy like Alex would see you mm-hmm. without the makeover, with the makeover. With the makeover, because I had got a complete makeover. I was skinnier. I was boom, boom, blah, 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 boom. And he did look, but he didn't pursue. Hmm. Yeah. But so that was reality, but reality. But I would say though, and maybe, I mean, you can tell me just to like shut up and probably cause like I'm a best friend too. So I can say this is that, um, and you, and best friend in front of a lot of people, but again, but I do. <laughs> and I guess I was the same way too, is that that's why I love that movie. Cause I think probably when that movie came out, I had just big, had a crush on a dude who was gay and didn't want me like that. Mm-hmm. Like we were very good friends, but like that wasn't gonna happen that way. And I was feeling vulnerable in a place of 
I wanted someone to see me beneath all of the stuff or whatever. In 1998, I was training for a marathon. Mm-hmm. I had a Holly Berry haircut. She was, I was so cute. I was hot in 1998. Um, but... I don't know. I I feel like I hope, you know, what's interesting, though, I don't know, is that like you said, he that's the thing, though, is that he did like her, uh, Jeff Bridges. But I think maybe he wouldn't have considered her before Mm -hmm. then, even though he obviously did. He didn't think he found her attractive when he saw her picture, Mm -hmm. which is why he picked her. But the more he knew, he was like, I actually do find this person attractive. But all that to say is that like. I don't think that guys always have to have a motive. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm still of that thing that there's somebody there who's going to love us without an ulterior motive, mm-hmm. whether but or not. Yeah, there, I don't the, know. The other thing is that they, people who find you attract, people who love you should love you because they love you. And there shouldn't be any qualifications. It shouldn't yes. be any. Right. But because you feed, you feed this one niche because in the beginning he is at a lecture and he sees Elle McPherson, who was his ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Elle McPherson kids is a model uh, <laughs> from the nineties. Very beautiful Australian model. Beautiful Australian, right? Uh, yes. Right. Yes. Think. So he sees her. Alternately, he would never have understood that that woman might be really smart because he put women in boxes. Yes. And so there's this, this thing happening in his brain where he says the attractive woman can only be this. And the unattractive woman can only be this. Um, because what happens is, is that she comes back and, and they spend the night together and then she leaves. Yes. Yes. Because she's like, I was with somebody who's better looking than you. He cheated on me, but we're going to go back. Cause she was like, did you think I was going to wind up with you? Yes. She was like, we have nothing in common. No, it just, she was beautiful. And that's the other thing she was. And, and the, when you guys hear this, um, it will have been a week after Tina Turner died. And there's a lot of debate on the, on the internet about a Mick Wallace interview from 1996 where he asks her in her house in southern France um, did, did she think she deserves all this which has pissed me off and there's a, also a Barbara, Barbara Streisand related thing that I'll talk about later but watching the movie and the specter of that was about what you deserve he decided that Rose only deserved what he decided she deserved in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so the scene where they're about to have sex and he says, I can't do it, which was so painful Mm because I've been rejected like that. It was so painful. He got mad at her for not, not accepting his limitations on what she deserved. And Mm -hmm. it, I had not seen it that way. I mean, you're like, I'm like you, Robin. The first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, this is cute. Whatever. Cause I saw it in my twenties. And I was a person who dated beneath me, who mm-hmm. didn't understand what her worth was physically and in any other way, really. And dated beneath you, but didn't realize you were dating didn't, beneath Didn't, didn't realize I was dating beneath me. So I did that. And so I saw also watching this movie at 52, the comment that I didn't get in my late 20s on aging. That Rose's, Lynn and I figured out the net that Barbara Streisand was probably in her early 50s when she directed and starred in this movie, but she's probably playing someone in her late 40s. Mm-hmm. Still, the understanding that she is past her prime. Yes. Her sister, who is beautiful, who is older or younger, I could never. Younger, remember. I think. Younger. Bigger. Younger, is 
in her 40s, but clear to understand she's not in her 20s. She's mm-hmm. a person who's had many relationships. She's literally flirting with at her wedding with the man that she winds up leaving her husband for. Yeah. And you it know, was a third mar- her third marriage. Her third marriage. Um, and she's at the day at the wedding going, I don't know if I want to do this because she's expected to. It's what she's expected yes. to. She's a beautiful woman. He asked her to marry him and she said yes because that's what pretty women do even though they're disinterested and she's got literally one foot out the door. She goes, yes. She's looking for the doorway before the wedding even starts. And there's this idea of watching it now as a woman who was married in her 40s, who was widowed five years later, who has not had um, a series. I've had one relationship, but I turn people down because <laughs> I don't need it. I would love to be in a relationship, but I know what I want and I don't want. And l- 26-year-old Leslie, 27-year-old Leslie is a lot different than 52-year-old Leslie, mostly because I would not have let it gotten that far to say, you think you know what I deserve, and I and I deserve more than that. And I that obviously she was that age, and that was part of the lesson, and I missed it, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways. Um, it was very powerful. Um, and, yeah, she gets to come back and look like Barbara Streisand uh, <laughs> at the end of it. Um, can you talk a little more, Robin, about the way that the movie comments on beauty competitions between women? Oh, yes. I think it is so poignant at the beginning of the movie when they're, when they're getting, when she's, when her sister's about to marry Alex and they're talking, they're the mother, they're waiting for the mother to show up. And I'm like, oh no! And the mother comes dressed to outshine her daughter on her wedding day. Yep, yep. In um, a cape. And in a cape. And I'm like, it's the competition of the mother versus Claire, and versus her her daughter Rose because the mother doesn't want to get married or get into a relationship until Rose gets married and is out the house. So there's that competition of the mother and Rose. And then there's the competition between her sister, because when, when her sister finally meets Gregory, she's like, Oh, if I had known you were this attractive, I would have put an ad in for myself. And it just got married. Had just got married. Just got married. I mean, and she wasn't kidding. She wasn't, she wasn't kidding. She wasn't kidding. <laughs> she wasn't kidding. And another, but I'm glad that Rose breaks the cycle when she go after go, when she ends up with Alex, because the whole thing that I had problems with is how they portray pretty women, that pretty women can't be faithful. Oh, girl, speak on it. Because... The first, they open up with, um, uh, what's I can't, Elle McPherson? Elle McPherson cheating on her boyfriend because he cheated on her, and and she's like, well, to Greg, why did you think I was going to stay with you? And then her sister cheating on her, Alex, on their wedding day, and <laughs> consistently through that relationship, and so her mother was was also, like. I'm so beautiful. I'm I I'm not saying anything as your father, but you know, and so uh, <laughs> I'm like, 
Rose broke the cycle when she finally saw Alex for who she was, who he was, and realized, I'm not, I'm, you're not good enough for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, it was also, too, it was interesting that you mentioned the scene where Claire, the Mimi Rogers character, the sister who's recognized not just by the world and her mother and the man that she actually wanted to be with, that she liked Alex. She liked the Pierce Brosnan character and introduced him to her sister. And so she was like, oh, this is mine now. That the sister felt like she, like everything Rose had was something that she was supposed to have. Mm -hmm. And so if Rose had something worth having, it was hers. So she takes Alex because she thinks, well, obviously Alex isn't going to be interested in Rose, so it won't hurt anything if I take him. So then she sees Gregory, and in her mind she's thinking, why does Rose get to have that? Right. So there's a scene after the makeover where it's such a, an interesting conversation. She has two two conversations, with one with her mother, one with her sister, with women who acknowledge themselves as beautiful about beauty. And with the mother, she says, because the mother is Lauren Bacall, and there's pictures of Lauren Bacall in the 40s in the, photo, in the, in the movie, and she says, what was it like being beautiful? And she says yes. it was wonderful. And that was a really beautiful moment. Yes. And because she didn't even have to, because Lauren Bacall also could then acknowledge what she was saying. She didn't poo-poo it. She didn't push it away. She didn't go, what are you even talking about? Mm -hmm. So Mimi Rogers' character is jealous because now that Rose is attractive, she goes, oh, you're going to hate it mm -hmm. because you're going to walk into a room. And it was very self-conscious because she's talking about being an aging beauty mm -hmm. that all of her life, Mimi Rogers' character has been beautiful. And now she's noticing in her 40s that it's all going to end. And mm -hmm. that one day she keeps switching men because she's afraid that one day there aren't going to be any men to switch to. Mm -hmm. And But she's... <sighs> raining on on Rose's parade going oh you're gonna hate it because mm -hmm. now you're gonna be wondering how long people are gonna find you attractive and you're gonna be walking in the walking in a room going is do as many men notice me today as noticed me yesterday and she's not wrong but no one will let her just have this no yes. one will let her just yes. be happy even before the makeover when they go well you're happy now good for you in this little weird thing uh Lynn what was the line the the George Siegel line George Siegel plays Gregory's friend oh. He says, so at the wedding, they get married at City Hall, and George Siegel says, um, this is going to be very interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. And I loved that line because they didn't even get it. What, there's there's such a thing she in She got movie. it. You look at her face. Oh, yeah, she, she, oh, no, got, she, she got, got it. it. She got it. But he didn't get it. But uh, Jeff Bridges didn't get it. Um, Gregory. But the line that runs through this movie is about what people think other people deserve. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yes. and what they have to settle for and what you yourself internalize that you have to settle for. Because what's so interesting is that Leslie and I had this conversation this morning about this movie that Jeff Bridges is a good looking man. And yes. Everyone mm -hmm recognizing the movie even when he was stuffy and boring and nobody cared about his classes <laughs> the students he, don't want to sleep with them the students, students wanted... still very creepy they sure did very creepy what'd you say very creepy that he used to get uh, dizzy with those students Ugh. yeah it was weird weird but he um he was a good looking man but who didn't really like think about it but he knew though that he could get googly women he was dating freaking someone played by Elle McPherson but so he didn't have any problem attracting that. It's just that he thought that that blinded him. But Rose herself, it's so funny how much the things that we want to do 
make us decide that everybody else wants to do that too. He comes to see her class. So Gregory has elite, his classes like nobody cares about. They're probably just taken so they don't get, you know, so they can get the credit and they're boring and whatever. He comes to her class after um, the sister answers the ad and her classes are packed, like packed. Like people are sitting on steps. They're standing in the back. Probably all those kids aren't even registered mm-hmm. for the class because there's no seat. Mm-hmm. But people just want to be there and when, and they're laughing and they just love it. But she's talking about the romantic ideal. She talks about her sister's wedding and about her and, and she uses it as an example for like the romantic tropes in yeah. mm-hmm. literature. And um, she... Um, about how that stuff isn't realistic, but also, but he leaves, I think, right? Before she says that being in love feels so good. The reason that we do this is because it feels so good. Exactly. So when he says to her later, well, you said it yourself. And she goes, did (laughs) you hear the whole thing? (laughs) No. No. Once again, it's that, yeah, you're absolutely right that he decided what you're supposed to be, which brings me to an interview that Mike Wallace mm, did um, with Streisand in 1991 when she was directing The Prince of Tides. And at that point, she had made the announcement that for the moment, she she later went back, but at the moment she decided she was not performing live because she was focused on filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had done Yentl, she did uh, Prince of Tides, all Oscar nominees, and Mary Has Your Faces, which was not, but and low at least one of the songs was, we'll talk about the song later. <laughs> but So she keeps making these movies and no one de- uh, nominates her for Best Director. So she's doing this interview and Mike Wallace strides in and proceeds to tell her that literally he tells her she's wrong. She says, he goes, well, why, why don't you want to sing anymore? And she goes, that's not where I am right now. And he says, he literally says that he's personally disappointed. Because at one point she had she um, had written a song and recorded a song for the Prince of Tides, but she did not have her vo- vocals played during the movie. She didn't. She wanted the disconnect between Barbara Streisand, the, the actor, the director, and the singer. The singer wasn't involved. So he says to her, "Why didn't you use the song?" And she said, "I just didn't want to involve it." And he says he was personally disappointed, and he felt that she was on the earth to sing. And she <laughs> cried a little bit. Robin, Robin's face is like, what? <laughs> Karate, Mick, Miss Picky Karate Chop to your throat. I mean, I swear to God, hi and all that. Because hi-ya. It was just this moment where this powerful man looked at one of the most successful women in the world and said to her, you're not doing what I want you to, and I am personally disappointed. Don't you feel bad about it? Once again, in the specter of this conversation, watching that movie again yesterday, and when Gregory says to Rose that he is personally disappointed that she would want to have sex, and that she would let her humanity show through, and the decisions that she made, I wonder if she was thinking about Mike Wallace when she made that, um, (laughs) that she was personally disappointing him because he thought that she had such high ideals and they'd made these decisions and how dare you, even though he wanted to have sex too. <laughs> it's yeah. not like she kidnapped him. He was right there with it until he decided when he says, I don't want to do this. I, my heart broke when I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. in 1998, my heart broke yesterday. Me when too. I watched it Same because here. I've had that happen. I've had people who were attracted to me. They didn't want to date me. They were attracted to me. They didn't want to tell anybody. They were attracted to me. They didn't want to use the word date. I, the last guy that I dated seriously, the first guy that he was first guy that I dated after my widowhood, who said, I would say, so what do you want to call this? He was like, well, you have to decide that. 
So, but he would call me every day and be upset when other people talked to me, but he didn't want to label it because he had his high out the door. Um, whatever. That was a long time ago. But I mentioned that to say that that comes in space. That's the last one. That ain't going to happen anymore. But it, and it, so I thought that couldn't happen to me in my 40s, and it did. And I can blame it on my emotional vulnerability or just this is a person I'd known for a while and always thought we might get together at some point after my husband died, and we did, and it was terrible. Um, all of that to say that we let men define relationships. We let men not just define relationships, but define who we are in those relationships and who we were supposed to be. And even though Gregory was very comfortable wanting her when he wanted her and marrying her when he married her, the fact that he kept having to have the ugly reminder that she was a human being who wanted things on her own couldn't have that. It's terrible. And I know this people like, I thought this was the cheesy pop culture thing. Um, (laughs) Can you tell me, Robin, why people might find this cheesy? It, if you can get past all the dark things it says <laughs> about beauty and women, mm. it's cheesy because at the end, well, if you remember at the beginning when she's talking about what, when after Gregory has left, when she says the reason why she still loves love is that she wants to hear Puccini singing when she gets kissed. Yes. And so at the end when at the end when he finally confesses that he loved her and that he wanted her so badly when they want, were about to have sex that he couldn't see straight and so she goes uh, you know so she's like forgiving him and all of a sudden they kiss and here is Puccini in the variety singing Puccini yeah singing in, in in from the hotel from the apartment and so it that's how cheesy this gets after all this drama of messed up relationships <laughs> it gets so cheesy at the end with the kissing and dancing in the street with that was Puccini. so goofy and no one ran them over i remember no. when, we, when that came out i don't think i saw the visit you but i remember you going the dumbest thing about this is that new york <laughs> and no, and nobody hits them. No. They're walking down the street. They're dancing, and nobody yells out of the um out of the window. Get out of the street! What are you doing? Well, no. Not yeah. only do they tell them not to stop, the the music, the Pavarotti singing Puccini comes from a dude in his apartment who looks down, is hearing this them argue, but then get back together, and is so moved by this. Yeah. Yes. That he goes through his records. And this yes. is early in the morning. Early Everyone's in the morning. People, yes. people are looking out. And did you notice, though, another um, throwback? Do you, did you see who the doorman was? So that he knocks yes. on the door. Yes. The doorman was the guy that played Damon Bradley. Yes. And have you ever seen the movie Only You, uh, Robin, with uh, Marissa Tomei? I've seen and bits and pieces of it. I have Robert Downey so, Jr. With Robert Downey Jr. So anyway, to we, and that's another movie we should do because I rewatched that. That does not hold up. But, <laughs> um, it didn't hold up the next week. No, no. But it's a, basically a movie about this woman who uh, who loves love and she's about to get married to someone she's not really that into but is kind of settling for. Like, he's okay. He's a good guy. But then she thought that she was going to marry some dude 
she played a Ouija board game when she was a little girl and supposedly her soulmate's name was Damon Bradley. And then someone named Damon Bradley calls her fiance. So she leaves everything and goes to, cause he's about to go to Italy and goes to Italy and finds him whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I won't give the whole, the whole movie, but the guy who, who was actually the Damon Bradley character was played by the guy that was the doorman. Oh, okay. And in, in this movie, he, he shows a, up in a lot of those late 90s movies also what's so funny about only you which i we do want to talk about is that that was the era of the stupid girl movie where women did stupid things like throw away their life to go find a man you've never met who matches the name of the guy that eight years old a ouija board told you're gonna marry because i remember watching that movie even in my late 20s and going who has the money for this? And we that was we were in our early 20s when we saw that. We were like 23. That came yeah. out like 93, 94 or something yes. like that, right? And it's like what why it's hap why is this happening? And that it's like and it's so funny and cute. You look back now, which is why I thought was great with Streisand cuz Streisand's character is clearly in her 40s because she does all she does is marry someone that she likes a lot, that she knows that she's in love with and doesn't love her. She doesn't, like, leave her home. You know, I mean, she goes down the street to his house, but she doesn't, like, quit her job. She doesn't, like, change her name. She just is her. And I love that because, once again, seeing that in, in my 50s, who's I'm now older than that character. I'm about the age Streisand was, ex almost exactly the age, I think, Streisand was when she made the movie. But I look back and go... You know, she had compromised all that much. She went, okay, great. She went back to her life. You know, well, I mean, she compromised, but yes, you know what I mean. Right. She didn't have to do something drastic like quit her job and move to Italy. Right. Yes. Like logistically. Exactly. Logistically, she logistically, didn't change. Yes. A she lot. didn't. She, she she had her same job. You know, right. um, she didn't have to like you know, never see her family again. Or yeah. some Beauty and the Beast. Um, I hold you captive, but it's okay because I love you. <laughs> I know, that's insane but again the whole idea though of settling and the fact that she knew that she had feelings for this dude and thought that eventually it would change so there's a we talked about the part where we keep coming back to it because it's such a pivotal scene because it's what actually gets her to leave mm -hmm. Gregory is like I said he said if you ever want to have sex we can maybe yes. make that happen so he says he agrees to it he's about to go on this European tour and actually has invited her to go towards the end of it to yes. like a honey for a honeymoon. Yes. But so she says, yeah, let's have sex now. And they get, you know, she has candles, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they're in way into it. you about to be, you know, consummated. And then he pulls away, mm -hmm. but he's basically yelling at her. She's in tears. Yeah. Yelling it, at her. There were yes. so many times in this movie, I wrote this down in my notes where people fell to the floor. There was so much falling to the floor <laughs> in this movie, which was it, a direct, it was a choice, right? It was direct. And I, had the same thing as directorial choice that whenever she, she tells a man and I don't need you and they fall to the floor I'm like yes right right like El McPherson leaves he falls to the floor he gets upset he gets all horny whatever fall to the floor she gets there's a, a lot of falling to Pierce the floor Brosnan falls to the, well at first Brosnan's face was like what because she goes I don't need this anymore so basically what happens is spoiler alert um She'd been in love with this man, and he, or at least very attracted to him. He wasn't in love with her. He was in love with. He wanted her. I don't think he was even in love with her sister. He just thought, well, she's the pretty one. And she's yes, the one that she right. So it's disastrous. He sees Rose, realizes that she's pretty now. So now we can date her now. Yes. And she says, "You didn't think I was good enough to you. You weren't good enough for me." Yes. And then she's big flourish, slams the door, and he goes, "Okay, like what just happened?" I love because that line. Yes. He's not um a person that people 
do this to because yeah. he's never he's never had to think much far beyond just being a good looking man because being a good looking man has gotten him <laughs> that was his thing, personality that was personality was good looking man the things he wanted the women he wanted the life he wanted so when he says he shines his his approval upon this woman she's supposed to go oh i i've been picked now yes you know if you guys understand that you are listening the term pick me it's yes. women who will do anything because they believe that they have to be picked by a man and that's the thing that will give them worth and yes. so he picks her and she's like no no thank you i i unpick me <laughs> i'm picking yes. myself I, I'm, I'm unpicking myself yeah yeah so the, so the scene which we're um Gregory rejects Rose when they're about to have sex and she um he's saying he's like yelling at her back. He's like, uh. Didn't you this was the agreement? Didn't you know that? Did you think it was gonna be different? And she's such a powerful actress. She she's she does no words. She nods like yes. You know, did you think I was gonna change my mind? And she's like, Yes. And yeah. you yes. know, and it's so it's it was painful then because again, I felt like that yeah. then. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that romantically anymore, but I, but I understand that. And I feel like that sometimes professionally. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that sometimes like as a mom that, or just as a, as a, as a friend, not with you, Robin, of course, but you know, this whole <laughs> idea, but, but again, the whole idea though of like, or even, and sometimes it's, that's the crazy thing. Sometimes it's not even people outwardly telling you that you have to do these things it's you yourself deciding that you're going to make yourself small because yes. you because that's because what's you think, worked for you up until this point and you think that you have to all that she wanted for him was to acknowledge that it was real i've had so many yes. relationships with men where i just wanted them to say yes i am dating you yes you're my girlfriend i wanted them to say this is something that i want even if it wasn't serious and rose could feel that he wanted it to be real, but he could admit it. So it didn't mean anything unless he could say to you, I want this when the scene where he says, Oh, we should go, we go to, to Europe. It could be like a honeymoon, the smile on her face. Cause she's saying, okay, he's saying the word honeymoon, which means that he thinks that this is a real marriage and this is real. And when he shatters her illusion that he doesn't want it to be real, I don't want to do this. It wasn't just about sex. It was, I don't want, because I feel that relationships or my boundary, because if I feel if I feel this is real, it means I won't be able to function as a person. It'll make me stupider, and I won't be able to finish my book. It took him fourteen years to write a book, you know, because he was having <laughs> yeah. he was having sex with so many beautiful women. He just couldn't concentrate on his book. Yes. I'm writing a book right now that my agent, hi Alex, is um, if you're listening, is waiting for. If I said to him, "I'm sorry, I have to go have sex with a bunch of people right now, so I can't write this book," he would have been like. And please find another agent because this is obviously not going to work out for us. Um, and that that was, and, and because he's a white man with tenure at Columbia, people are actually waiting for his next book. And he's like, I'm just really stupid. I can't have sex. And I'm going to raise up the words. You know, and she is having not really a relationship. She in the beginning is being pursued by uh, a guy who's a nice enough guy, kind of a never, she dude named Barry, and she's not really into it. And she never says the words bury him into it, but she keeps canceling on him. And that's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not nice. It's not a, a thing that adults should do. She should just say, but because she likes the fact that Barry keeps calling her because mm-hmm. he says, should I not call you anymore? And she says, try me again next week. Mm-hmm. She's keep, she's keeping him on the hook. Yeah. No interest in him, but she likes the fact at least that it's acknowledges I have on the board, someone who's interested 
in me. Um, and also, what I like that. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, Robin. What did, I saw you nodding. What did you think about the whole Barry thing? The whole Barry thing is that she gets she gets burned by that because when she sees Barry later with his fiance, yes. she's she. The first thing she says is, "Barry, you look so good." This is a guy that she called, told her friend, looked like a toad. Yeah. And she, she looked did. at him and she said, you look so good. It's because he was in love mm-hmm. and he was in love with his fiance. Who was in love with him. Who was in love with him. And she was jealous of that. And so she got burned because she never took the time to get to know Barry. She just and Barry hit- wasn't, and Barry, he wasn't her person. He wasn't, he wasn't her person. He wasn't her person. That's true. But she, she after th- after getting to know Gregory the uh-huh. way she did, she's she's realizing that it's not all about appearances. No, and that's something that she that Gregory in his twisted, stupid game has taught her. Yes, absolutely. And so she's now with this husband who doesn't love her. Mm-hmm. And she's watching Barry. And yes, you know, Barry's not the best looking. His girlfriend, clearly not a great beauty. She's kind of never she, she herself. She was cute. She, but she was cute. no one saying, but, she, but look at what passes for beautiful in right. that movie. Yes. She looked like Rose. She had bushy hair. She was wearing glasses. She was not a great beauty because Streisand makes a point because at the end, the beautiful version of Rose looks just like Barbara Streisand. Yes. Um, literally off the, to- off the front of one of her albums which was hilarious to me because it's just like they didn't even try to say it now she has red hair it's like no it's just barbara she just went back into the dressing room and said surprise it's me that's Still. another thing i have a problem with the fact that she had to be blonde hair and blue eyed mm. to be beautiful and that just bothered and me to, to and know, pretend to be thinner and pretend, and to, be pretend thinner. to be thinner that that is the ideal and I told Lynn, and I would have liked it. now she can I wonder love if someone herself, had made this movie even though, now, so there's a lovely thing I would talk about this earlier, too. Rose go back to, so, be, to looking um, what she looked like. Her, right, so Bar, um, Rose's best friend is played by Brenda, Brenda Vercaro, who I love, and who I used to, whenever my voice sounds um, scratchy, I say I sound like Brenda Vercaro. One of my nieces has sounded like her since she was a baby. Hi, Hannah. It's true. Um, it's true. <laughs> so she... And Brenda Vaccaro, you know, her big, Rose's big thing is she doesn't care about eating in front of dudes. She wants to set, she likes salad so she can put dressing on it. Salad Mm -hmm. is a vehicle for dressing. And I agree. Um, (laughs) And for crunchy things and for cheese, for um, feta cheese and for cranberries. Um, Mm, That's what salad is a vehicle for. Live your life, Kale. Live your life, lettuce. (laughs) Anyway, but. Um, they, 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 at the wedding, at the, at her sister's wedding in the beginning, they're all about like the food and they wear kind of like bigger clothes and whatever. They kind of don't care. They're enjoying their lives. This is what Mm -hmm. is enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So after Rose does her makeover, she goes out with her friend and she gets a salad and she says to her friend, it's so wild. She goes, doesn't that bloat you? Doesn't the burger bloat you? And she was like, bloat? What the, What? What the what? What and language then, are you speaking? Yes. And then they have this conversation where she's kind of like, who are you? And I'm I me always, and I'm happy. I'm me and I'm happy with me. I always and, thought we'd be in the same boat, she said. Mm-hmm. And 
when I saw that, once again, the things you see 25 years later, when I saw that when I was younger, I felt like her friend was hating. And now I don't see it that way at all. I think that her friend was saying, you used to be happy. Yes. Just being, and we got along, not because I wanted you to be in a single and married boat. It's because you seem to be happy on that boat. Yes. And because you and I operated, and I don't know who this person is. This person who used to eat cheeseburgers last week is bewildered that I want a cheeseburger and not a salad. A person who hated salad is now weirded out that I don't want to eat a salad. And I'm just figuring out what boat are you on? Yes. And once again, I kind of think that that conversation strives in including that. She can't say that Rose is wrong completely because Rose now looks like Barbara Streisand. But she also understands <laughs> the complicated messages that Rose herself is sending. Mm-hmm. And so when she says, all right, I'll give you half my salad if you give me half your burger, I would have said, how about you order your own burger and I will watch you eat it with your salad. I'd be like, I'm not giving up my, because if that suddenly was like, you only should have half the burger, I would sit there and eat it in her face. <laughs> my half and your half and order another one. I'm going to eat his half or her half. That's just me because I'm very petty. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about, about that, Robin? The whole like, when she not just changes the way she looks, but in some ways so she's she's more confident and that's what leads her to do this physical makeover because she realizes I can't do this anymore to pretend like I don't want these things. Do you feel like the insides were the outsides were now matching the insides mm-hmm. or that she changed some too? Um about the makeover. I Uh-oh. think I think when she decided that she was no longer going to when she saw that picture of herself as a child and uh-huh. had that conversation with her mother that she was beautiful. Yeah. I think that she and instead of going out and working out, which is not being true to herself, mm-hmm. I think instead, I wouldn't have gone the workout route because that's her mother's lane mm-hmm. and that's her sister's lane. Because the fact of the matter is she needed to be beautiful on her own outside of her mother and sister's view of what beauty was. Do you think, though, that maybe she was saying, and I don't know this, I'm just saying, do you think she was saying, though, that she wanted all the lanes, though? That she wanted the lane of being happy with who she was inside and liking baseball and whatever, but she was also going to be all of everything and was that a sellout for her to want to do that or was that okay um the way they showed it in the movie was somewhat of a sellout because Mm -hmm. they had because when she was they have a scene that she's doing her makeup and watching beauty videos she wasn't watching baseball yes And Uh, and when she was teaching her class the next semester her back was to the class and there wasn't a lot of students in the class 
And then mm-hmm. she stopped teaching the class and turned around and said, yes, I have breasts. Yes. And she was not, she was doing a Gregory type class and not until she turned around and said, yes, yeah. I have breasts. Because there was like, they were like, what is she? Who is, what is this person? And like I said, I think it's hard to, it's hard to make any work of art. And you're, Robin, you know, you're a writer that is completely clear eyed because you still have your own view. Yes. So I think that Streisand made some really important points. And even like I said, points that I had not appreciated in my 20s that I appreciate now. And I didn't think she went far enough when I saw it in my 20s, and I certainly don't think she did now, but there's some things, like I said, about the aging piece and all that stuff that I truly get now that I did not get um, almost 30 years ago. But I think that it would be interesting to see not only what another filmmaker might do with this, but what she might do with it now. I would love to interview and ask her, would you make the same choices? Mm -hmm. Would you have decided that Rose needed to remain this standard ideal white American version of beauty mm-hmm. um, who's a size six, even though I yes. didn't see it, but you know um, that she had to be both. She had to, she couldn't just say now I've also decided that maybe I'll tie my hair back. I'll keep this blonde, but I'll wear glasses or something that says I haven't drunk. I drank the Kool-Aid and haven't completely drunk it. I mean, yes, there was a powerful thing where she, Shows up beautiful when Gregory comes back from England, from Europe, and says, listen, I gave you a chance. I can't do this, no goodbye. And she walks around. Of course, he falls to the floor, as we have discussed. Um, Falls to the floor. That she made, if that movie had been made in the 80s, she would have said, I'm just going to be pretty and forget everything you said, and we're going to be happily ever after. And there would be no point we had to come back and chase her, because (laughs) the makeover would have been enough. Yes. The, make- the makeover would have been fine because yes. the makeover says, you know, it's Lynn and I talk all the time about that terrible scene at the end of Breakfast Club, which is honestly a terrible movie. I can say that now. <laughs> um, where Ali Sheedy's character, who was weird and funny and, and feral, was good enough. She was good enough. She didn't have to then go do a makeover with a pink bow in her hair. Ah, bow, the bow, the bow. Um, to get this loser, honestly, who had homoerotically taped the dude's buck cheats together um, and physically assaulted someone. Well, if Andy finds me attractive, I must be fine. No, we once again, we let men be the gauge of what is attractive. Mm-hmm. Even loser sexually assaulty men in high school, we say, I must have, I said it. Sorry, Emilio. I have to change. <laughs> I have to change. No, of course, the end. She she still rips the letter off of his Letterman's jacket, which is which I love that scene. It's one of the only scenes I love in the movie anymore because it's like she remained herself, mm. even though she was pretty now, and none of those people were ever going to talk to each other again. And that, that's the that's the good thing about won't you will you walk on by will you call my name will you walk probably. away probably and I used to yeah. think that was tragic. That they weren't, but now I look back and go, I wanted her to come back with even more dandruff in her hair. I want her to come back like free basing Captain Crunch. I wanted her to be like <laughs> in a in a burka, like all of the black. I just wanted her to be wearing black. She looked so cool. I look at that outfit and I go, Why do I I went through a moment where I dressed like that, where I wore black on black and a scarf. She looked amazing. She was a goth in a beautiful way. And in, in our goth, well, this is funny. Okay, so all of us have a mutual, very close friend. 
and Rissa Miller, who you might know from our Rise of the Return of the Goth Girl, Return to the Goth Girl um, episode. Robin and Marissa um, met as dancers. They met as writers. They met as people who celebrated each other for their bodies and minds and just amazing people. They also are the smartest people collectively that we've had on the show who basically came to the show with theses. Like here is the research I have done about this architect. We're like, we just wanted to say funny things about (laughs) eyeliner. I don't understand. (laughs) What's it? (laughs) What? (laughs) Pretty much. You know, so all of this is a, is a, a correlation but Rissa talked about how in that movie the Allison character the Ali Sheedy character who was a goth girl is played for laughs that's where the cheese part comes in is that that and goth talk on Saturday Night Live is that the there was an expression of something that the mainstream didn't get so obviously it was cheesy and we can make fun of it it was a joke it was mm-hmm. a joke um and so that happens in, in everything really that you know the, what's 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 chosen to be pay, played for laughs and what is chosen not to be played for laughs like in this movie in the beginning when she's blowing Barry off it's funny mm-hmm. because and also it's like I may not be high and mighty like my sister but at least I have someone I can reject yes look look at me rejecting somebody yes and when you're Barry wow. that's not funny no that's not funny no well and 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 funny too that we talked about how good looking Jeff Bridges is just as a concept of being Jeff. And that was peak pretty Jeff Bridges. His commercial era. he did this mm-hmm. year going, uh, I had cancer you know, and heart he was, disease he and COVID. No, can you hear me? Leslie's kind of frozen. Oh, there you are. Um, yes. But that he was really good looking, but there was something in him though. And this is a, a I don't know, a pretty person thing where he could subjugate somebody. And yes. even though he was obviously good looking, Leslie and I talked about this too. We always joke about how men can be like, oh, I'm going to lose weight. And they run a mile for a week and they've lost like 10 pounds. Yes. And, and how much harder women usually have to work because of metabolisms and hormones and now menopause and all yes. this estrogen and lack of estrogen and all this stuff. Monthly visitor. But, Yeah, monthly visitor, right? And all the things, but also too how he as a man um, was still, was was very um, stuffy in the way that he carried himself and the way Mm. that he dressed, but he still attracted and got good looking women. And so he decided that he was going to deign himself, <laughs> you know, he was going to deign or lower himself and give her the privilege of being with him, even though he never mentioned himself being good looking. That was part of the social contract is that he knew he was good looking mm-hmm. and that was accepted, but that he was able to tell this woman, basically I'm all you're going to get. And he insulted her so many times during the movie where he would say, well, obviously we're not attracted to each other. Well, well, obviously we, we knew what this was. And I'll say, well, there was a dude that I was friends with in the early 2000s who um, I really, really, really liked. But we were just friends. And there were a couple of times we never kissed or even made out or anything like that. But there were a couple of times when, like, we were, like, in the back of a cab and, you know, arms around each other or, like, whatever. But he was like, you know, I don't see you like that, right? Mm. And, and I knew it, 
but in the back of my brain, because he said it, but we were still hanging out. But the point is, he was still getting the companionship. And again, we weren't making out. We weren't kissing or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We weren't dating. But it's kind of like, I got the will they, will the, the um, thought of maybe this was going to turn into something at some point. And he got a companion, right? Mm-hmm. But he, he got, got it on his who, terms. Uh, yes. On his terms and obviously somebody who he didn't think was good enough for him that way. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how it kind of was with Rose. He was like, this is what you have to settle for, obviously, because he know I'm not attracted to you or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this yes. is what you have to settle for. And shouldn't you be, ha- you should be happy with this. You never get to change your mind. Yes. And you're, you're deciding when she said, I'm changing it. Yes. I want to change it. And yes, and the, the, I'm yelling at her. That that scene was so upsetting to me because I hadn't re- remembered how terrible it was. I remember it was terrible. I braced for it. But when he's yelling at her for having an emotion that contradicts him, because it was all about his frailties. Yes. It was the fact that he had expected not to find her attractive, and he did. He's really mad at himself. Yes. And how dare she want that? How but dare she be a human? He gets his pardon me, his male parts get to react the way they want to, but how dare she admit it? How yes. dare she, and not apologize? He wanted to talk about it, and she was like, I'm done talking. He's calling her from Europe, like, can we talk, baby, can we talk about that? She's like, hoopsed, you know, which I love. She wouldn't even answer the phone, and nope. he's calling her mother, and mother's like, ain't nobody here like that. Mm-hmm. I, I give what, up. Why you keep calling? Why you, new phone, who dis? New yes. Lauren Bacall, who dis? <laughs> and it was just, and I, I took great, ble- great pleasure in watching a man who did not think that she was good enough to blow off, mm-hmm. be blown off internationally in several cities. Yes. That made me <laughs> howl. Yes. It, and you know, kids, do you understand how expensive international phone calls are and how and it was expensive? It cost me money to call my friends in Montgomery County. When I was in Prince George's County with my grandparents, and that was like a county over, and it was expensive, right? In the 90s. And no one had cell phones. And no one had cell phones. No. So the fact that he is dropping literally Well, maybe late 90s, some people had cell phones, but, but, but he not kept a lot calling did. her on a house phone. So not this like man is calling her on a house phone from a different country. He is spending money to get rejected. It was yes. almost a fetish at that point. Yes. Where, and because <laughs> he just couldn't get, he couldn't understand why she he had insulted this woman Lynn joked that like when they're having the fight, the big fight, when she doesn't, he doesn't have sex and he's yelling at her. She goes into the bathroom. Lynn, tell her what you told me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So she goes in the bathroom and he's like, Rose, come back, come back out. Let's talk about this. Let's settle this with the blah, 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 blah. So time passes and he's fallen asleep on the floor, on the floor. Cause everyone's on the mm-hmm. floor in front of the bathroom. <laughs> yes. And she comes out of the bathroom but changed into street clothes yes. with her bag. Yes. And she walked past yes. him. I'm like, was the bag in the bathroom? I yes. was confused. Yes. Hey, and I, I was like, so did she have her 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 suitcase was in the bathroom? She had clothes in the bathroom and she comes out because he's asleep. Or did she or had he fallen asleep and she'd come out before then and gotten her stuff together and tried not to wake him? Like, I had all this going through my head, but I was so confused. And I know that was done for effect, right? Mm-hmm. He's still yes. there. He's fallen asleep because he's exhausted from trying to get her to come out and talk. And that's when she leaves. And that's when the last time he sees her for months because he's gone. Yep. Was it three months? <laughs> three months. I think it was three months. 
Also, so he's was, gone and she won't answer the phone. And that's the that's the last time he's seen her until she, he comes back. But that just scene just floored me because I was like, where floored. did her clothes uh-huh. On the come floor. from? Well, also, I said to Lynn, um, there are times when we have a hamper. We have hampers everywhere in my house because I have a nine-year-old child. And you have to give them a place to put the dirty clothes or they won't put them anywhere. So anywhere you go, there's, there's trash cans and everywhere in my house. There's also hampers. So... I have a hamper in the bathroom, and it's it's got dirty clothes in it. But there's moments, sometimes if I'm upstairs, and I have a big house, a very tall house, I hear somebody at the front door, and I live in the city, so if you leave a package on my front door, it might be gone by the time I come downstairs. Mm. Um, So I have sometimes grabbed even a dirty dress or a dirty like pair of, I'm sorry, people, um, you don't want to think about this, but yoga pants and a T-shirt, no bra, just to run down the steps. So that moment... Rose could, if I were her, I would have put anything on. A bathrobe, his bathrobe, a pajamas, <laughs> made a Von Trapp curtain dress or something from the shower curtain because she had to leave. She could not come out of that, asleep or not, out of that room unless she was like, you, you, you what's the, the Wilson, Wilson Phillips song, You Won't See Me Cry? I'm not going to do it. You're not going to, you have taken Everything from me and my dignity and my ability to decide who I am sexually and emotionally in every other way. I'm going to give you the cre- the um, the pleasure of walking out of this room and putting all my clothes in a bag and leaving. The hell I will. I will take this laundry, take it down to my mama's house. I will put in the one thing that looks the, the one thing that looks clean. I will pack. Uh, I will pack your dirty clothes so you don't have none in, in my bag and walk back to Lauren Bacall's house. And also, let's talk about that, the fact that there's been this competition that she, her mother, who never thought she was good enough to be with this man, who was mm-hmm. actively rooting against it, she then has to go back to his house, to her house. To her house. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I've been like, oh, baby, get a hotel. You have money. Brenda, call Ooh. Brenda Vaccaro. Mm. okay so that was another thing and we do have to wrap up soon but this is a this is a conversation that literally we maybe need to have a part two and robin we're having you back on the show i already know it Um, and and i want to and i do because i want to find because we're talking about this archetypes of beauty i want you to see if you can find another movie i already have one in my head oh what's the other one what is it the one i told you about uh the truth about cat cats and dogs Done. oh lord lord, lord okay can, lynn can lord. we book her like really soon yeah let's do it to talk about uh, that movie because that that movie is so problematic and another movie that i'm sure if i watched it now i would spend the end and i'm gonna have to obviously spend the entire time under the straight table in my living room because <laughs> it's it's the things that it says it thought it, the movie thought it was saying one thing it was really saying something else what movie the truth about cats and dogs oh yeah well, you know what's so crazy? What, so one thing I was going to say as we kind of wrap up, and I hope we wrap up because we're going to keep on talking. But <laughs> um, but again, but the idea too, though, of – so the, this – Barbara Streisand was born in the 40s like our parents were. Um, and so the generation above them was born like in the teens and the 20s, mm-hmm. you know, ish. And um, – but this idea, though, of she was a – PhD at Columbia <laughs> University at an Ivy League school, but was still living in these, um, in that structure that you live with your parents and you go back to your parents because you I married. understand why she, right, until you get married, that she could have been there. But you're right. And it wasn't the middle of the night, but the fact that she didn't, did she ever say anything about getting her own place? No. no. Ever in the movie? No. It was, so, go I to, thought the, maybe go that to her husband's been. house when she got married. 
Right, exactly. And and that's such a that's such a biblical thing, right? You leave the house of your, you know, leave your mother and your father's house and then you go off and whatever and um I was approximately the age of Rose in the movie, young, a little younger, when I got married and I was on my second home I I was on my second home I owned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I had my own life. I was not raised by people who said who felt you had to wait. Although we talked our grandmother um, who died when we were in our 20s, who was a beautiful woman, also very accomplished, very accomplished, graduated high school as a black woman in Arkansas in the 30s or 20s, the, the thing that nobody did, you know, and that she was, you know, a supervisor in the in the government. No, like in the, thir- like the, the 30s, because she was born, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, she'd done a lot. She was also very beautiful, and she liked that we were smart, didn't love that we were kind of dorky and had the glasses. So she asked us when we were in, in, in college, has anyone asked you to marry them? We said, no. What are you talking about? And we were like, what, do you want us to get married? She goes, no, I just think someone should have asked by now. We because, were 22. We had just graduated from college. Yes, mm-hmm. and that was in her brain. So, well, I got it right but I was still in college. And she I was like, what are you talking about? So anyway, so mm. that's where that generation was. So we were not raised by people. We were raised by people who rejected some of that, who were like, I bought a house when I was 27, 28. And it's like, buy your house. Can you buy the house? Is it financially um, advantageous for you to do so? Do you have to live someplace anyway? You're paying for it. You have the money. My parents helped me a little on the down payment. They're like, enjoy, enjoy your house. So the fact that I'm watching this movie, right? It was the year, it came out the year before I bought my house. And I remember thinking, why don't you just go buy a house? Because New York, she, she's a Ivy, Ivy League. I mean, I could afford, and I mean, I lived in York, Pennsylvania, so it was really cheap, but I could manage to afford a house. I was like, well, clear, surely a tenured professor or a professor at all at Columbia, you know, can buy a house in the West Village, you know, somebody that wasn't even that expensive at that point. Um, anyway, um, as we wrap up, um, Lynn asked the question about the cheese. Maybe sing about the groove. Yes. The cheese. Sing it. Yes. Some someone what someone to love my life with. I found someone, someone to live my life with. That is uh, the cheese. So, so the song is <laughs> so this was the late nineties when there was a contract somewhere that Brian Adams had to sing the theme to every movie. Do you have a movie? Um, Here's your Brian Adams song. What we didn't ask right. for it. Yes, you did. So sort of the- starting with uh uh Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in the early 90s. Everything I do, I do it for you, which is ubiquitous, classic song It's now. a beautiful song. But he sang all, literally, The Three Musketeers, Don, Don Juan, uh, DeMarco. DeMarco, and this. They were like, where is Brian with our song? <laughs> so he sang this song, and it plays towards the end. He wrote um, the song that Joe Cocker sang <laughs> in The Cutting Edge. He like I don't have to, I don't have to sing this one, Joe. What you doing? I mean, he just would show up and yeah. they go and and this is the obligatory Brian Adams Brian song. Adams song. So he did and the I, song like Kenny Loggins was in the eighties. Yes. yes. Where's Kenny? Better be better have my song. Uh, so <laughs> he and Barbara Streisand sing the song. I finally found someone, which is a very goofy song. And I know every very, word. I realize I still know every word to it. I know the the um. Also, we should do a thing about key changes. There's this beautiful key change at the end. Yeah. And it's lovely. It's lovely. And that no one does key changes anymore. So I'm watching. It's very 90s. Um, and it's because it's Brian Adams. I love Brian Adams. But his lyrics can be very simplistic. Moonspoon June, which is fine. <laughs> it works. Whatever I do 
it's got to be you. My life had just begun. I finally found someone. It's like you, and, and Brian Adams at this point was writing, literally he got Oscar nominations for every one of these songs. Yes. But I love the line though. <laughs> it's like a conversation between the two of them. Which is great. And yes. When he says, did I keep you waiting? And she goes, I didn't mind. I apologize. I apologize. Baby, that's fine. I will um, wait forever just to know you were mine. I, whatever. Anyway. My favorite line. What can I call you? That oh, that's no, no something, something, uh, something. Call uh, you sometime. He, like that was early, but he said she says he goes. I love, love your hair. Part. Are you? I sure? love your hair. Yeah. Isn't it, I love you what you wear. Isn't it too tight? And he goes, you're exceptional. Yes. I can't wait for the rest of my life. I lo- I realize that I love that line. A man telling a woman you're exceptional. There's something about. He's like, she's like, I thought this was too much. He goes, no, baby. Everything the that, way you, that are you are is amazing and it's exceptional. And that killed me. So there used to be, oh God, we have to go. But there used to be <laughs> a show on 97.1, Wash FM, uh, in the 90s called After Hours with Glenn Hollis. Yes. Um, and it was one of my favorite shows, the dedication show. And this song got a lot of heavy airplay on oh, wow. that show. So that was the cheese question was, Robin, do you think, at, in the conclusion, after this fabulous conversation, do you think that this movie is cheesy? And if it is, do you care? Yes, this movie is very cheesy at the end. <laughs> I do care. <laughs> I, I can't it. help it. It's a cheesy movie. Whenever I feel down, I could put it on and go, oh, this is so terrible, but it's cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> this has well, been so wonderful. And like I said, I Robin, can't wait. Can you, I'm going to put your um, socials uh, in the in the um, notes for the show oh, so okay. people can find you. Anyway, Thank you. A, well, I can't hear Anyway, I know um, we don't have time. <laughs> we do not anyway i love you guys um please listen to this and please listen to when we make robin come back within the month or so um to uh to do this again i thank you so much and as we always say keep it breezy keep it cheesy bye